Initiative Podcast. We're at issue number 200 on volume number 7. I'm Vince and I'm sitting with Matt. Hello, everyone. And the great Nick. How you doing? <laughs> what a great how you doing there, buddy. How you doing? So we're back with a full show this week. We got some good things planned to you. We also have some announcements to take care of and get those out of the way. We're close to about uh, hmm, almost 10 years of doing this show, wouldn't you say, Matt? Yeah, this. Let's see here. It nine? was two thousand nine. Yeah, so about nine so eight years. years. Yeah, yeah. Yep. September two thousand nine. I think was around the first show. Mm-hmm. I think I came on in December. Yeah, you, yeah. Right after, pretty much. Yeah, right. Pretty much, and, then, yeah. and then I came around in like August of uh, two thousand ten. <laughs> after after Jason suckered you into coming, I mean, asked you to come onto the show. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, actually, you started out as just an editor for the show, and then you kind of weaseled your way into being on the show, but like a silent person on the show until we're like, Matt, you need to speak. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Albeit, when I was the silent person, it was far easier for me to uh, produce the show on location. Yeah. You'd be surprised at some of the odd locales I was doing shows from. <laughs> well, you were, for the longest time, like when you were in the background, you were kind of like our Google Foo guy. Yeah. Right. I'm just like something with a matter of seconds, you would find it on the internet somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, how Letterman had his producers. He wouldn't say anything else, and his producer would tell him something. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. With that said, uh, this show's going to go into a little bit of a hiatus over the next, uh, I don't know, year. <laughs> We're going to probably tr- move this into a, a quarterly show with specials coming out while we recharge our batteries a little bit and uh, actually focus on some a little new direction for ours for us uh yeah why not yeah it's exciting right. i can say i'm excited about it right yeah we we had the idea for the, a, a new project and with uh issue 200 of rfi coming up and everything we're like We've covered, when it comes to just like the core books and like those type of things, we've hit a lot of those topics. Yeah. And when it comes to the OSR, there's so much out there right now with mm-hmm. people doing podcasts and websites and all that compared to what it was when we first started in 2009. Back then, it was still a new thing and it was giving birth and it's but now its wings have sprouted and it's ready to fly off on its own. So, hopefully, and, it won't fly too far close to the sun. Just like yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the show's not going away. We'll have our mini issues still coming out here and there, and we'll have to do a quarterly show. But we wanted to move into focusing on something you know that we all decided might be kind of fun to tackle for a little while. And we're going to move into doing Marvel. Right. Yeah, because this is something surprisingly 
no one's done. No, yeah. And, and we just and, like, really? No one's and done yet, from what I guess you found out in your research, there's quite a bit of a following for that mm-hmm. for that game. Yeah, the classic Marvel TSR game from the uh, 80s and 90s has a huge community, not not just on the message boards, and you know you can download the free stuff, but they have a huge following on Facebook that there's people working on new st- stuff every single yeah. month. They're they're dropping mm-hmm. it. So we got lots of great stuff to look at, and it's a fun game. We figured no one has done anything for this except for some actual plays here and there. Yeah. Why not? Yes, and so I, I'm excited about it. I mean, just look at the past 10 years with the whole you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe and how much that's conjured up a lot of interest and you know, mm-hmm. made it really fun. So why not you know, go back to the old uh, role-playing game and and talk about some of the stuff from there. I think it's really neat. Yeah, so by the time this comes out, we should have the show... uh, The website will be up and running, and we'll have our trailer episode up, just introducing everything, which is episode zero. little quick 10-minute thing so everybody can listen in and get, you know, subscribed and everything. And then we'll be releasing shows one at a time, like we normally would do. So hopefully you'll go there. What was the uh, website address, Matt? Uh... ClassicFaceRip.com. So we'll be Classic F A S E R I P dot com. So it'll be the Classic FaceRip podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Did we get our email address set up too? Yes, we do. We have bullpen at ClassicFaceRip.com. Ah, nice. Yeah. That's a great email address. Cool. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, we'll still use the same voicemail line of 570 865 4210 for voicemails in case we get those and we'll be ready to go. Yeah. So, with that said, we can head into uh, Table Matters. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, uh, in Table Manners this week, we, uh, actually, this is a really cool topic, I guess, because of the, uh, the the latest Stranger Things show. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Demogorgon and gaming with Demogorgon. I never gamed with Demogorgon. Well, he, I don't know him personally. He likes but... he likes to hog all the, the corn nuts. I heard. I yeah, he's a corn nuts kind of guy. The mm-hmm. nacho ones, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> I heard he also likes bugles too, but that's a different story. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. He tries to put them on the ends of his tentacles. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work out too well. But you know, I talking about this demon from from AD and D, and I'm looking at the origins of the actual, you know, creature itself. I mean, yeah, I was discussing this. Um, with uh, Matt before the show is you look up the, the name Demogorgon in w- Wikipedia, it's actually, in a nutshell, supposed to be like a deity or a demon, a primordial being from the underworld. And if, over time, it was actually, his name was taboo even to say. Oh, really? Yeah. But there is some historical evidence that might say that when it was the name was translated from Greek mythology and might have been a a mistake from translating the word demiurge uh, from the Greek. Hmm. But after that, it just kind of grew over time, and particularly into the medieval period, and then 
He ends up into the like all the, the grimoires. I mean, Milton brings him up in Paradise Lost and and so on and so on. And it just became its own thing. And it evolved into partly, you know, what we have in AD&D is the Demogorgon there. I just thought that was a real interesting history about the, I guess, quote unquote, real history behind the name of the of what it is that is Demogorgon. But it sounds like it translated pretty well into to AD&D because Demogorgon, like my say-so, is a badass. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So I thought it was, um, you know, with Demogorgon also, you, you know, it's, it's what, what is he, like 18 feet tall and got the two tentacled arms and the baboon heads and, and scaly and all over it. And he's just, I would not want to face this guy, let alone in a dark alleyway, just, you know, the hypnotism ability and, you know, the, uh, the gaze from the right head can cause insanity for what? One to six turns. Yeah. And then the fork tail, which causes energy drain of one to four levels each time it hits that's not good so and then so on and so on so on out of the of out of the uh i mean i could go through what's in the monster manual but no, I mean, no, everybody no. could pick up theirs and that's just a brief you know rundown of demogorgon but i think it's more important more interesting is how you can use demogorgon in a campaign and i think it's the idea because of being he he's a He's, well, quote-unquote, the prince of demons. You know, he could be the major antagonist, protagonist of of an entire campaign. You know, Nick, I've never, ever used him whatsoever in any of my games. Neither have I. It just never appealed to me uh, to use him for some reason. I don't know right. why. Yeah. yeah He's so cool, I've though. I never have either. I mean, it, it's one of the things with, like, when it comes to like the high level demons and demigods and those types of things, it's just my campaigns never get that high to actually bring that in to where right. you could actually go and you might deal with people that worship him or follow him, but you'll never get high enough to actually go one on one with a demigorgon. Right, right. <laughs> and, I, and I think the same way too. I mean, I guess. You can use Demogorgon in a way that he's, you know, manipulating things way out in the shadows and on from the nine, you know, from one of the layers of the abyss too. But I think you bring up the thing about how most campaigns would be: you're going to be dealing with like worshippers and cults that are associated with Demogorgon more than Demogorgon itself. Maybe you get higher enough levels, you might be dealing with, um, you know, the you know the, the head priests, maybe some, maybe even some wizards that might worship Demogorgon. Yeah, it's always going to be cult followers. It's never going to be him. Yeah, almost always. Almost always. But you also keep in mind that uh, Demogorgon, along with all, most of the major demons and you can throw the devils into this as well. You know, going by deities and demigods book, they are treated as lesser gods. When when uh, there's that list 
of non-human deities in the monster manual from the monster manual in the uh, deities and demigods and Demogorgon is listed one of them. They, you treat those as far him and others as far as powers and abilities when you cross reference in that book uh, with some of the abilities of a of a lesser god. So that comes into play as well. Te- you know, they're not just he's not just a demon. He's a lesser god in his own right, and he does have worshippers. Maybe not a whole lot. Right, and then I, with Demigorgon, you can see him being the type that's going to try to gain more power, gain more followers to get his way up the uh, old hierarchy there. Right. So that could be part of the plan because there's always the uh, issues when you get all these demons. They're trying to one-up each other. So right. you could even have something going on where you have the cult of Demigorgon feuding with the cult of another demon. And who would that be? Who's his major rival? Orcus. Right. So you could find the play your players being involved in a story that involves Orcus and Demigorgon's followers being in conflict, and the players either have to pick a side or figure out how to stop them both. Right. Because yeah, those those two co those two existing in the universe actually has a sort of balance. Mm-hmm. The keeping one from being too powerful. So in a way, having both there is a good thing. That that just puts a whole other element into a campaign if you're going to use Demogorgon. I think it would be almost inevitable that you're going to run into uh, you know, other cult worshippers of Orcus and you might get <laughs> you might get caught up in a uh kind of a turf war between the two, you know? Right. So that would be an interesting little twist. You know, almost, it could almost turn into a situation of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing. Right. But then if you do too good of a job, you upset the balance of power. And then yeah. all of a sudden you have to uh, make an about face. To... Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and, and this is something that you can also do a slow build over time to where the players start getting involved with some of the cult activity or whatever, but don't really know the deeper meaning behind it. And perhaps they don't figure it out until it's too late and they've already inadvertently picked a side. Right. There's, and also depending on, if I look at it here, like depending on the campaign setting, he does kind of play a, a part in them. I know in World of Greyhawk, um, if I remember correctly, he's he's opposed by some of the other demon princes. I forget their names. Uh, was it Grazit? And there's that other mm-hmm. one. Uh, but uh, so I know, uh, kind of going along the lore along with that when they were writing up the whole campaign setting. I know. You know, Gary Gygax, like he like he took he handled how the demons would interact in the world. And if I remember correctly, Frank Metzer dealt with all the devils and how they would interact within that campaign world. And uh Demogorgon, he's if I remember correctly, if I'm reading and if I'm reading this right, uh he's responsible. Demogorgon is 
responsible for the creation of those of the death knights you know the ones out of fiend folio yeah there's only like 10 or 12 of them so there's there's also that element too i'm wondering how that could be used in a campaign maybe the death knights or a death knight is the leader of a major cult and you have to stop him you know something like that he's trying to bring back the demigorgon Hmm. right yeah something like that Something like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm trying to also think of, like, uh, you know, what other ways uh, you can use Demogorgon in a campaign setting. Honestly, I mean, unless the players are higher level, there's really no opportunity to use him unless you're going to use him as a focal point for the campaign. I mean. Right, right. I mean, it would almost have to go along the lines of, like, how the whole, you know, like the Giants series, how it started, like how Lolf is just kind of in the background. <laughs> True. And eventually, you could, that's how the, almost a campaign, if you're going to involve this, uh, this demon in it, it's, I guess, the lack of a better term, it's going to be like a slow burn, well, you know? How did they use him in Stranger Things? Well, it was just like they were, came upon him in a dungeon <laughs> so he was just chilling in a dungeon well no it was like he was like um well the interesting thing was he was like there was like a group of troglodytes that their characters ran up against and then the troglodytes kind of scattered and then demogorgon showed up okay now okay <laughs> and they refer to them refer to the Demogorgon is not the Demogorgon, but a Demogorgon. Like, it's one of several, like, it's a type of creature. Hmm. Not not an actual, you know, demon in its own right. Well, this well, that was what, 1984 it took place? Yeah, the first series was 83. So maybe it was just, uh, there wasn't a lot of information on it, and what they saw was just like, hey, maybe there could be more than one, who knows? Well, that's a possibility. Right. That's a possibility. But I think the idea, you know, when they were talking about, yeah, there's troglodytes, that kind of plays into what Demogorgon is uh, If in the monster manual. Demogorgon is associated with scaly reptilian creatures, um, also uh, octopi, squid maybe, you know, yeah. And so the troglodytes, I could see that would fit. Yeah, they 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 fall under the uh, fish people category, so therefore you could you could see that. It's kind of anything Tro- that would Troglodytes are more lizard-like than fish. Hmm. Yeah, the well the the sca- scaly living in swamps. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, basically anything that could worship like a Cthulian monster. Yeah, could also worship a demigorgon. That's what I was thinking too. I I think, um, and in fact, I what is it? Those I I read it somewhere. Oh yeah, it actually I think it is in dem- deities and demigods when they bring up uh, demigorgon. If I could find it here, if you uh, if you uh, yeah, give me a moment. I'm trying to think of where I read it. 
Well, while we were while you were while you're doing that, I, I was doing a little research on him and seeing how far up the chain he went as far as edition wise, and he's been pretty much every edition there was, and he was. Uh, when I was looking at Dragon Magazines, because, you know, we, we kind of mimic a Dragon Magazine, he was in 357, and I had to laugh when the list that had his stats as AC of 59. Yeah. And I was, yeah, like, that. thinking to myself, in 1E terms, that's, like, negative 40, almost? Negative 39, almost? I was like, how is... Well, there there was a hit bonus inflation over the years. Just kind of like uh, the epic levels of those editions was, like, 30. Whereas if you were level 30 in an AD&D game, you're a god. True. So. You still need it, like a 20 to hit negative 39. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Oh, here it is. Uh, about. It's under. Actually, I think I'm pronouncing this right. You know those uh, those intelligent ray creatures on a monster manual? They're the Zit Zita Chittle. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I worship Demogorgon. Oh. Yeah. Those evil uh vampiric manta ray creatures <laughs> that hmm. live in the ocean. And I guess Under the sea. Oh sorry. Under the sea. <laughs> in a not a very fun place. Yeah. Under the sea. So uh of Demogorgon and their priests have been known to go up as high as I eighth level. So there's, there's that as well. If you're going to have some sort of, um, uh, underwater, maybe ocean based campaign or partly ocean based. Yeah. I could, I could see those, that race kind of, um, they would be pulling the strings for Demogorgon, maybe on some other creatures. Or maybe they're, uh, they could be, uh, I want to say, they could be terrorizing a seaside village and, or town. Yeah. You know, stealing away people in the middle of the night and sacrificing them to Demogorgon. Something like that. Yeah. So that's a possibility. I mean, by the whole idea of like, you know, reptilian creatures or evil aquatic creatures, you know, that you could go almost anywhere with that, you know? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I it, it runs into the same problem of anything when it comes to these high-level demons. I don't think my game will ever get high enough to where they'll ever actually deal with them directly. So right. a lot of these high-level Demons, devils, my players will just never see because we don't play a game right. long enough. And I think, and that's something to consider when you start plotting this out. You may want to do something where maybe you accelerate their leveling to make sure you get to it if you're not planning to play for an extended period of time. Because otherwise you'll never actually get to your climax or you will gladly slaughter your players when they are way well underpowered with Demigorgon. So, yeah, I I don't even I wouldn't even approach it in a way that they, they'd even encounter him. I would, I think it's more about like thwarting his, you know, plans of yeah. where they they might be manifesting. The to me, the idea of actually confronting a major demon like Demogorgon almost never, if not 
going to ever happen. I've used plenty of demons as focal points in my campaigns and devils as well. And But they never really... Well, some of the demons... I shouldn't say demons. Devils did interact with the party, but it was done through like avatars and things like that. So right. they never actually got to fight them. Well, in the Tyranny of Asmodeus campaign I had, they did wind up screwing up and Asmodeus did come into the world, but they actually had found a way to get rid of him with a wish. So... <laughs> Oh, well, it worked out. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not sure what else I could say about Demogorgon and you know using him directly in the campaign, but I think it's the kind of the consensus here is if you're going to use Demogorgon, it's more of a puppet master. You know, he's in the background manipulating things for his worshippers, cultists, what have you. Yeah, and then. Just going by the description of what he is and how he's associated with certain creatures, then you could just have your imagination as a DM run wild with it. Come up with some pretty interesting uh, plots and scenarios. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. With that said, we'll head into some DM rules. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WTP. That's patreon.com slash WTP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. DM rules. Yeah. So, uh, looking through my little book of things that we can possibly talk about on the show. And I was found some ritual casting rules that we had used a while back because, uh, during the four E era of D and D, a lot of people, uh, they introduced ritual casting and it was never in one E cause really there was no purpose to it, but you get some of those players that want to do ritual casting because they think it's cool or because it might be something different and it allows them to do different things out of the ordinary. So, I did come up with some rules how to incorporate it into a 1E game. I listed them out here, and I'll go over them real quick, and then we can kind of just chew on it and see how we like it. So you can cast uh, a spell in the form of a ritual that that you do not have memorized from your book or your scroll. Well, that you can already do as it is. No big deal, right? But you can cast these things that are higher level than you without any real real repercussion. Like when you did that with higher levels, it was always a really bad negative effect on you. This time, this allows you to take the time to do it as a ritual so you can cast a spell that's higher than yours. If there's a higher level, you must make a sacrifice, such as uh, blood, which would be hit points of you, or a small animal. The higher the level of the spell, the more HP or the animal size that's needed. So HP starts at 1d4 per level of the spell above yours. Blood okay. sacrifice can come from more than one character that's in the ceremony. More than one person can participate in the ritual, magic user or not, but no more than the caster's own level. So if he's level three, only him and two other people can be in the ceremony. Mm. Uh, let's see here. 
For each level of the spell, uh, it will take that many turns for it to go off. If interrupted, the ritual fails automatically. If the ritual is interrupted halfway through, the ones in the circle will suffer the effects. Yeah, words, Matt, words. <laughs> the, the ones in the circle will suffer the effects of the ritual or some other uh, deferential uh, effect at the DM's discretion. Those are the rules that I came up with, and it was it worked out pretty well with some adventures, and they eventually stopped using it. But what do you guys think of that? I think there's some pretty good rules there. I I, I like them. Then the fact that uh, you have this option, but it's going to cost you in one form or another, mm-hmm. and right. you have to be absolutely sure you want to do this because you know if it's interrupted, yeah. There, bad things can't happen. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, no, we're being attacked by this big monster. Let's run in the other room, lock the door, and hope we can get the ceremony done. No, this is one of those things that you plan for and you do. And my group happened at the time we were, like, big on let's sacrifice things to the gods to get answers type things. So okay. that's where this inspiration came from. So Right. So what yeah. kind of spells do you think you could use this? I mean, can it be used for any spell? <laughs> Well, I don't see the purpose of using this for a fireball spell. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But I'm thinking this is something you would use for, like, identify. Yeah. Those type of things where... Find familiar? Maybe. Okay. Well, find familiar is a low-level spell, so... Hmm. Right. Still, that one takes time. Yeah. It, it, it was, costs yeah. quite a bit. It was... Right. Mostly they were using it for things like... Um, getting answers from a higher authority or... Oh, okay. Oh, those divination and things divination like that. Divination and stuff like that. Okay. Or I they wanted you. certain things, so they figured they can do a ceremony to locate the item, kind of like a location spell type thing. Okay. Things like that. Yeah. For for more where you just... It, the spells this typically works best is when you need information. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, hence why this is something... Where a party gets a bunch of stuff, they ca- they have, like, their detect magic. Like, okay, they know it's magic, but they don't know what it is. So now it's like, okay, let's all go spend eight hours and rest so I can memorize my identify spells, identify all this. Then we'll rest another eight hours so we can actually get real spells to go on the adventure. One uh, that- opportunity I remember that they used this for was when one of the key NPCs was murdered. So they used it to summon his soul into the circle so they can find out who killed him. Yeah, I'm now. What would you? I'm looking at like some of the spells that I think this would work at least. Magic user, mm-hmm. could you use this for 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 cleric spells too? Um, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of curious that we're yeah. both ways there with divine and arcane magic. Yeah, the the only thing with the clerical spells, the sacrifice would probably be, I would say, different depending on your god. Some mm-hmm. of them may not like having the uh, blood spilled. Right. Some of them may want treasure or something else. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at, like, some spells, like, if you want to, quote-unquote, consider high level, like, maybe, I don't know, I guess fifth level or higher could be considered going into high-level spells. But, I mean, I could see, like, uh, Conjure Elemental, maybe? That would be, maybe... No, that would work, this. yeah. yeah. Um, Visible Stalker. Yeah, visible stock. Yeah, there you go. Get your own visible stalker for and help you out. You know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, maybe animate dead. Yeah. Um, floating disc. Yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, 
What other bells would be good here? Gias. A Gias spell? Yeah, I can yeah. see that being used. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it really could fall under anything that's really not an attack offensive spell. I mean, right. maybe a curse, but... Something right. maybe more of a ritualistic that does mm-hmm. take time, but maybe you don't have the all the ingredients to make that happen, so you could do the ritual thing. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, this is also like if you need your reincarnation or yeah. anything of that nature, boom, this is what you'd want it for. Mm-hmm. Resurrection, yeah. Uh, yeah. That'd be kind of weird what happens to that, yeah. Oh, right. boy. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah. That would, um, what else would be good? Uh, heck, you could use this to maybe a gate spell. Yeah, that uh, open a, a portal to somewhere else, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Maybe maze? Maze spell? Maybe. It really depends on you as the GM what you want to allow, so. Right. Right. Hey, hey if you wanted to cast Liaman's Tiny Hut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I we, almost see this like this is for spells that aren't just like they're just cast in a few segments. These are for like spells that, you know, they do take some time, but this is kind of a quote unquote shortcut to make it work quicker. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Right. So, right. Yeah. Or, but it's a it's a very uh chancy shortcut. That's right. Sure. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say it was a shortcut. I would say time wise doing the ritual version would take longer to cast than it would be if you had it memorized. Yeah, but the upside of it you're casting a spell that's higher level than you can actually normally cast. Yeah. I guess that's that's that, where you have to weigh the pros and cons. Is it worth it? You know? Right. And then... And that's, and that's the aspect I like. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, the oh, they're taking. Pulling things well above your ability. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's when bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why... I get the idea. That's why Vince designed it the way it did. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to say Vin- a word. Vince is very much about tempting his players. <laughs> not going to say a word. <laughs> <laughs> do you really want to do this? Yes. I okay. got this. <laughs> Vince is very much DMing like a demon would. Or, or a devil. It was like, here, just sign this deal. Hail, you'll get what you yes. want. Don't evil read the fine print. Yeah. Yes, the evil DM, so... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mind that fine print, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Nick, that's an evil laugh. <laughs> now the question is, though, would you let them do a ritual for a wish? Yeah, actually, I would. Yeah, I would, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> wish or limited wish? Yes, especially, for me, it would be especially fun if, they're not a. They're well below the ability level. The cash said wish. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So like a fifth level magic user, and he ca- wants to cash wish a wish right. spell. And then it, so you have not only the typical things with wishes, and you yeah. must be very careful what you wish for. Now you also well, I'm not very good at it either. Right. So that could lead to some fun. Yeah, it could. Yeah. All right, well, let's hear what the people out there have to say about it. I'm interested to see. Yeah. Yeah. How they might use it. So uh, head into some creature feature. 
Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long Creature Feature Theater. And this week in the creature feature, we are going to go to the realm of the Titan. Because yeah, we are going to talk some Titans here. Teen Titans? Because, oh, sorry. Teen, yeah, well, they could be Teen Titans. That, that go because they they are uh they can be kind of moody at times. I mean, <laughs> that would they, be funny if you any Titan that you encounter is a teenager, right? <laughs> Yeah, they're not quite full size, so they're not quite towering over you as much, and they're a little more moody than they already are. I mean, when you are created by the gods, of course you're going to have some weird personality quirk. They do, for whatever reason, the uh, first uh, offspring of gods tend to have some severe emotional issues. Mm, yeah, there's know. a lot of weird stuff going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, with the Titan, they you're not really going to run into them on the prime material plane either. So they're on, like, other planes above the material. Mm. Occasionally they'll venture down, but they're going to stick out like a sore thumb because, well, they are a Titan. Yeah. And uh, th- these are interesting because there's a lot of uh, range in what you can get from a Titan. Like, their hit dice is 17 to 22. Uh, their armor classes, you roll a die to determine that. Uh, so there, it leaves a lot of flexibility and when it comes to actually creating like your specific Titan as for which deity created the Titan and what they're there to do. Um, they're also ridiculously powerful, being yeah. the offspawn of gods. Yeah. Uh, invisibility at will, levitate. Then, then you get to their magic abilities. Oh, boy. Yeah, magic user and cleric spells at fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh level. I do find it interesting they can't cast first, second, or third level spells. But hey, they don't bother with them. No, <laughs> it's beneath them. They are exactly. They, yeah, they, they. I can even see playing them as that because I mean their intelligence is genius, the super genius, and they consider those like little parlor tricks. That it is like if you're a titan that does that, you're like an outcast. <laughs> You cast Considered a loser. Loser. <laughs> you simpleton. What are you? Only uh, super intelligent, not a super genius? Yeah. <laughs> they have all their magical abilities. Then they, then they have, if you use psionics, oh my. They possess eight or more psionic abilities, possible yeah. for clerics. Yeah. Uh, it, it's And then they speak their own language. There's the six dialects of the races of giants and common, as well as chaotic good, because that's their alignment. They're all chaotic good, which is something I probably would tweak, make it more in line with the uh, deity that created them. Uh, and then because they also deal with storm giants. On, they're on uh, friendly terms. They're, they're buds. Uh, so if you run across a titan, you might come across a storm giant. And their appearance, yeah, they just appear like very giant humans. But I guess the question is, though, what do you do with them? I when honestly, you... I was surprised that there were no modules that just based around titans like they did with giants. Right, but if there was, it'd be kind of cool. 
I think there's... Oh, there was one? I thought there was a module where there was Titan in it. I know I remember talking to uh, Thorky way back in the day, and he was thinking about doing a whole against the Titans type module thing, that you know, to mimic the against the Giants thing. Right. But I, yeah. I don't think he ever had time to finish it, but I, we were talking Actually, about it for quite a while. Against the Giants yeah. series, there was a Titan that was... Isn't there a Titan in one of them? Yeah, there's... That was see. like a... He's a he's a he's a captive. I think he's a captive of the fire giants. Yeah, there's not really anything I could be wrong module wise that I'm finding that has it. I mean it it was like there was a sea titan that was in Dragon Sixteen. But that and that was about and then besides the original monster manual, that was it for first edition. Hmm. And then even going through, it was like in basic, they didn't show up till the immortal rules, of course. Right. Um, yeah. Just a quick scan of things. They've never really been a monster. And yeah, I'm trying to think if they were even in a then, module. Yeah, I yeah, don't remember I, seeing them anywhere. I don't think they were, ever were because it, they fill a weird spot when you think yeah. about it. Because, one, I mean, they're chaotic good, so they're not going to be, like, doing super evil things. But they're, pa- like, low-powered gods. I found it. Oh, you did? Yeah, it is against the giants. It's <laughs> in the fire giant one. Uh, there is a titan. He's on dungeon level two. He's in the. He's in one of the cells. Uh, he's a titan. Yeah, this unfortunate is chained and drugged. He has twenty hit dice, armor class of minus one, and blah blah blah. Uh, he's able to employ spells up to six level clerical. If he were aware, he would help any party to destroy the inhabitants of this place. Although he would certainly not mind seeing evil characters in any party die. Also. <laughs> Only a neutralized po- poison spell removed the drug from his system before uh, before 12 hours' time, where it will be naturally uh, eliminated. So there is one instance. He's uh, actually been captured by the fire giants. So I knew there was one somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like in a whole adventure in the own right? Yeah, I've never seen one either. Yeah, they've never really been the focal point. And- no. Just looking at them, and they they just fill this awkward spot. It's something that you could have, like, oh, there's a titan over in this land, and he kind of keeps the order or something. But now I think I've, and if I remember correctly, isn't isn't the girdle of giant strength you can get up the titan strength into? You could roll mm-hmm. for it, and so they are considered like one of the giant races so that they have their own separate listing in the monster manual. So they're like the, the very well, I guess, top no, of the hierarchy of all the giants, I suppose. No, the girl, it doesn't, isn't the girl a giant straight, just hill, stone, frost, fire, cloud, and storm. I thought you could, I thought you could go all the way up the Titan. I could be wrong on that. Cause I, cause the, I know, it got, spl- yeah. It varies depending on which one. But let's see. Because oh yeah, I, it goes up the storm. I'm I'm wrong. I'm sorry. yeah. I didn't think it hit Titan. I mean, yeah. you can see where, uh, why 
Giants and Titans would get along. I mean, Titans oh, are I'm like thinking of that. What was it? That Mall or Maddock of the Titans? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Maddock of the Titans. That's a it, well, that's an interesting weapon in itself. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. actually think it would be. Just thinking about it now, using them, I could see if you wanted to did want to go the Teen Titans route. They're a little moody, so therefore you have some Titans that aren't quite as powerful or as large. Yeah. So you tone their powers down a little bit, but they're also a little moody and they lash out a little bit and they cause a little problem and the players yeah, got to go fix they're it. They're all filled with that teenage angst. Right. <laughs> now Titan sized. Great. Exactly. Imagine they throw a tantrum. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ah. Not good. I would not be. I would not to. I would not want to be around. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Moody Titans are not a good thing to be around. Uh, it'll they will shorten your life expectancy by yeah, a lot. Seems like it. So yeah. there is like at least one instance in a published module. It is against the giants in the fire giant portion that a Titan does. Right here. Now, I don't know using them in a campaign. Mm. Um. Again, you could almost... I don't know if you'd like... Maybe as They're a, so high up on the food chain, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's falling into that, like, demigorgon, that level of power that it's like... Right. Uh, it. They're low enough that you're like, you could almost see it because they're close to that storm giant, but they're just that notch up higher that it's like, uh... It, your campaign's taking a weird turn if you start battling titans. Yeah. You don't have to battle them. You can always go to them to ask for help, or maybe they have an item that they have been legend to be in their treasure, right. and you need to go convince them that you need to borrow it. Right. I, yeah, I kind of see them the same way you do, Vince. I think where you're going at, they're kind of like... They're set pieces more. Yeah. Right. They, I think they definitely set themselves above, quote-unquote, the mere mortals. So they don't necessarily meddle in mortal affairs. They kind of set themselves apart. So you'd probably find them in, you know, out of real out of reach places, like on top of a mountain, yeah. on the bottom of the sea, I think is one of the other places you would, might find a tight. Yeah, places that are generally place. unobtainable unless they're really like heroic people go searching for right. them. Exactly. Right. Very yeah. much in the Greek mythological. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's actually where I was going. The stories you would tell using the Titans would be more along the lines of those Greek myths mm -hmm. than your typical uh, fantasy hack and slash. Yeah, I like I like the idea that of oh, you said Vince that you would you're out to seek them for you know knowledge, uh, advice, maybe uh, you know maybe they possess something. A, there's a titan that possesses a magic item that you may wish to get, and you're <sighs> maybe you have to go on a quest for the titan to prove yourself worthy. Right, to get you have to go that item. Yeah, you have to go through like a series of trials to prove that you're worthy. One, uh, to prove like you're honorable enough to even possess this and not use it for evil. And then you also have to prove you're competent enough to actually accomplish what you're doing and, w and prove to the Titan, why should he even care? I always And I, I just picture this, now that you're talking about it, it's like I'm picturing this like this Titan lives on this small island 
and you go to them. It's like we would like to use your um, amulet to help destroy the demigorgon. The demigorgon, <laughs> okay, yes, tie it all together. Would help destroy this cult of demigorgon who's trying to take over the world. Well, you're going to have to go through some sort of trial to able to use the amulet, and I and. You could go off with a, the whole yeah, exactly. Greek thing that you got to battle hydras and minotaurs and Hydra? maybe a Medusa. You could do the whole thing, and that would be so much fun. Every time I think about Titans, I think of that Star Trek episode when Kirk goes on that planet. And you do too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Every time I think of Titans, I keep the thinking Gordon's of that. Gordon's Adonis. Yeah. yeah I yeah. always think yeah. of that episode. That how I, That's how I picture the Titan always look and the setting to look Heart like. of Apollo. Yeah. I don't know why it just happens to me. Yeah, he that picture always reminded me of him in the, mm-hmm. yeah that episode too. So yeah, I guess that's a kind of a way you can you can go with uh, using titans. Well, cool. Uh, I would like to hear how other people use their a titan in their game, especially. I mean, if this maybe helps someone or they have an idea to bounce off of what we did, please write in to rfistaff at gmail dot com and let us know. We'd love to know about that. Uh, I think we do have some sage advice, so why don't we head into that? Okay. Sage advice. Sage advice. So as we were talking before the show, guys, uh, DM BM. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's just that's what he wrote. Wrote in to us uh, via our website. He went to uh, RFI staff. Uh, he went to RFIPodcast.com and uh, clicked on Contact Us, and he wrote in uh, uh, Mage. The subject is called Mage. In Stranger Things 2, all the kids talk about their roles in the party. Mike is a paladin, Will is a cleric, Eleven is described as a mage. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there is no mage in AD&D or Basic in 1984 when Stranger Things 2 takes place. That's the second edition change. Am I right? Please enlighten me. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were talking about this before the show, and we were trying to figure out why he might say that, and uh, Matt had a great, I guess, uh, way of saying Matt, why don't you go ahead and explain what you came up with? Yeah, but, but if you were to ask someone who's never played an RPG, what is the name of the person that throws magic in, uh, like, Dungeons & Dragons? They're not going to say mage. They'll probably say wizard. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, they're not going to say magic user. They're they're going to say like wizard, maybe or a mage or a sorcerer or something like that. So I think they went with mage Magician. because it's close to magic user, but it's not. And that way, you're not going into like uh, other editions spellcasters. So I think it was more of M plus mage just kind of. Sounds cooler because otherwise, you, if you just imagine if you threw the user for every other class in the game, yeah, the I'm fighter's sword the sword user. user. I'm a lockpick user. I'm a cross user or a holy symbol user. I mean, yeah, that would so, sound kind of lame. Yeah, when compared to the other classes, I'm a magic user. So I think it was done for. They took some artistic license just to make it fit more the themes of the show. Yeah, that's exactly. When you rattle off the list of classes, that's the one name that sticks out. I was like, that's a little silly. In retrospect, it's silly. In retrospect, yes. Yeah. What, what about in um, uh, the Conan movies? Didn't they call the magic users mages? 
Weren't they sorcerers? Well, I that's what, sorcerers. Okay, all right. I thought it was. I thought, yeah, you're right, sorcerer. I was going to say that was very popular at the time, so maybe that had a hand in it. Oh well, yeah. but yeah, that's your reason. And unfortunately, it's you a TV show. Sorcerer or wizard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because I remember yeah. the res- uh, uh, Valeria res- referred to Thalsa Doom as a wizard. Okay. Well, it's a TV show, and they can do whatever they want. <laughs> that's right. right. Hey, at least they they haven't said since it's said in like eighty three, eighty four, and started using the Orange Spine books. Hmm. No, because that the nerd rage would be just off yeah. the hook. Those books weren't even invented yet. <laughs> well, they're not been around yet. They did not come out to nineteen eighty five. Well, little did you know, Eleven's power was also also has time travel and traveled to the future and brought back the Orange Spine books. Yeah. Well, I think she's more of a psionic type character. Maybe she used a DeLorean and wait, it wasn't around. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that's going to wrap up the issue 200 for everybody out there. Uh, We will be back in 2018 with another show for you guys. Uh, Continue along with some, maybe more, some more mini issues since everybody seems to love those the most. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll be back. Other than that, you can find us at the uh, classic Marvel classic face rip podcast. So classicfacebook.com. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Hey, everybody. The World Furniture Podcast is part of the Wild Games Productions Network and produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. If you'd like to contact us, go to rfipodcast.com, click on contact us, or email us at rfistaff at gmail.com. Voicemail line 5708654210 and facebook.com slash rfipodcast for more. Oh,